HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear vision. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are to pluck the low-hanging fruit of the literati. Your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Well, hello, Miss McGuire. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. <laughs> Is that your sexy St. Patrick's Day voice? It's my sexy fake drunk voice. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's turned on. So uh, Jack Kinsley, producer to the stars, is back today. Joe so Alaraga happy. is out at South by Southwest with his uh, punk rock band, The Big Ups. We're going to hear from them later. So are you hungover today, Judy? Were yeah. you out on the street wearing green wigs and face paint? Well, and- I still I still have green paint in my ass crack. I was I did a whole body paint experience, vomiting glitter like a like a shamrock unicorn out there yesterday. Picking up some green McDonald's With uh, my shakes people. and Jamesons. Yeah, you know I. Never do I have less of an urge to drink than on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> agreed. And, and yet? <laughs> agreed. I'm drinking water. <laughs> Into wine. Yes, yeah. well, if I could only learn that trick, maybe I'd be a believer. <laughs> Last night was a good night to stay off the street. I, yeah, I was around the East Village yesterday when the parade was letting loose. And uh, yeah, it was the, a lot the, of the high school. The anti-gay parade? Yeah. Such lovely people, my fuck, peeps. Fuck that, you know? I Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> you know my grandfather owned a bar. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of my all-time favorite New York Post headline, though, when um, my people, the, the, the Jews, they're not really my people, because these are like the Israel people, which is different than like the New York Locks and Bagel Jews, and the Groucho <laughs> Marx and Abby Hoffman Jews, which is the cult to which I belong. But you know, the Israel Pride today, I think it's called Israel Pride, um, also wouldn't let you know, gay groups, you know, march with, with their banner. And the headline in the New York Post was, Oi, gay. <laughs> yes. And, That's a good one. You know, at the time, I, I someone sent it to me. I was living in Spain at the time, and someone mailed it to me. This is pre-internet, and they mailed me this thing. I put it up in my wall and try to explain that to someone who doesn't speak English, because it's a pun in two languages. Right. Oi, yeah. gay. You got to love the Post for that. 
for something. Today in the Post, I'm reading about the, nu- the next nuclear holocaust. And to that end... Our special <laughs> guest today, New York Times bestselling author and my buddy, Michael Malice. Celebrity ghostwriter. Yay. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's and happening. Yes. On the brink of writing the greatest book of the 21st century. <laughs> of all time. Of all time, yeah. I love that it will be the best book of all time. Literally. Will, will, will this finally um, quell the North, North Korean um, foreign policy of the United States? Oh, we, uh, yeah, States. that's not quelling anytime soon. I mean, this is going to get bad before this is going to get worse before it gets better in the North Korean situation. Well, while we we're getting warmed up for the show, we we're talking about uh, the dear leader and um, his his son, that lunatic with a bad haircut, um, that's he, now threatening you, to drop bombs. You know, he cuts bombs. his own hair because he's scared of barbers. I didn't know that. Kim Jong Un, yes, well, that's pretty punk. Judy used to cut her own hair too. Yeah, well, did you get that mo from the Three Stooges look like he has? You know, I did a better job because I used a mirror. I wasn't afraid of mirrors back then. <laughs> But your book, well, we sort of glossed over it. What is the title? Tell us what this crazy book is. Well, the, the Kickstarter is launched. It's called Dear Reader. It's the unauthorized autobiography of Kim Jong-il. Uh, so I went to North Korea. I got all the propaganda. And since I write autobiographies for people, this is going to be Kim Jong-il's autobiography from his perspective. Uh, Probably your most... Um, cooperative client ever, I would imagine. <laughs> Kim Jong-il gets along with everybody. Just ask him. I mean, he's an inspiration to the world. I think that um, I speak for all of your friends when we were all very worried about you going to North Korea. I, I was worried going to North Korea as well. I had backup plans in case something went bad. However, when you go to North Korea, you're there under the auspices of the government. So if I literally killed someone, I would just be deported and have no repercussions. Really? Yeah. So if you're thinking of traveling there, do it. It's the most amazing thing you could possibly do. It's like going to the moon. Well, tell us about that. How does one get to North Korea? They're, North Korea has a habit of getting loans from foreign countries and not paying back their debts. Uh-huh. So they're desperate for hard currency. So they're... It's <laughs> not in, unlike our country. <laughs> so they're, they're de- they want people to come over. You just got to throw money at them. There's several companies that do this. You just go. You go through Beijing. It's legal to go there. Mm-hmm. It's not legal to go to Cuba, but it's legal to go to North Korea. Uh, and you will have the time of your life if you're a nerd at all like me. So, so you didn't have to be screened or anything? Like- uh, you go as a group, and one person from every group gets a phone call to you know, double-check. Of course, I didn't say I was an author. Uh, the girl from Switzerland was the one who got the call that to verify. That was convenient. They're neutral. Uh, <laughs> that's true, those cowards. Did you say that you guys aren't like uh, some black bag op the... Yeah, well, the, you know, the whole premise of North Korean culture is that the U.S. imperialists are going to invade and kill them given the moment's hesitation. In fact, the kids in elementary school at night, they go check the school to make sure there's no U.S. spies lurking anywhere at the desks. Um, so it, it is very much a paranoid country. And, you know, their, their premise is that, you know, foreigners are always up to no good. And I guess I've proven that true because I went in there <laughs> to kind of undermine their whole regime. <laughs> so so what, did, what did you do while, while you were there? You visited the nightclubs, the beaches, there's the, all, the brothels. You dined at their finest restaurants. There are There is a brothel in the hotel the Chinese run. Uh, there's one nightclub called the Diplomats Club, uh, although the Chinese guests had the karaoke room taken so we couldn't do karaoke. Uh, you go see the DMZ, you go see some factories, uh, you go see a fake school, you go see the maternity hospital. Um, it, it's But every minute is interesting because everything has been it's like going another planet back in time all the everything's weird everything's bizarre there's no electricity so you're going in a metropolis that's lit by daylight wow it is so mental the, the best I, I can imagine is back in the day i was in east berlin for a little while uh-huh. and really when you went on the other side of the wall we went over you know as tourists not you know they want hard currency sure. and you go over there and you give them deutschmarks or american dollars for this uh, script they sell which is like monopoly money and right the coins are made out of tin i mean really you could bend them with your teeth and it's really only good to buy um 
you know, bratwurst and beer. It's really, you know, your brain currency. And, but seriously, when you went across the wall to the other side, everything was in black and white. Yeah. It was in color on, you know, on the American side, on, on the other side of Checkpoint Charlie, and it was just gray and dim, and they had the big TV tower that controlled their one TV station, and you knew you were being watched the whole time. It's not, it's not that way, and here's the thing. Here's, like, a getting all intense and heartbreaking really quick is they have they have like little placemats and they have uh, fla- plastic flowers and these people are desperate to have some element of beauty but at the same time the best place they can shop is what would be our equivalent of a 99 cent store which is Chinese imports so they do have this need a very human need for beauty and they try to have it but they can't so it's it's really kind of heartbreaking uh, in that sense so it, it, it's not you know that black and white way at all what's North Korean TV like do they have like their version of the Gong they have, Show they have two channels uh, <laughs> one is just revolutionary film glorifying the career of the great leader Kim Il-sung. I think I could probably uh, I, watch that for hours. I think I'd find that very enervating. It, it would be hypnotic, <laughs> I, I think. I, a little bit repetitive. Uh, if it's in like the books which I'm reading, it's just, I mean, it's just torture. Uh, I mean, that's the real torture. It's not the concentration camps. It's having to watch this TV channel, am I right? Um, but <laughs> they, they don't have time for TV. This is a nation where every minute of your life is, you know, dictated, right? regimented. So a lot of times these refugees that go to South Korea or go to the U.S., they don't know how to handle having choice. And some people even repatriating back to North Korea because they can't handle a, a life of choice. They don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you something. Our country could benefit from a little of that same discipline. I, uh, from what I'm seeing here at Roberta's today, these kids need a little regimen. Well, that's not funny. Well, I, what ha- tell, we talked about bad. this before. Tell me what happens funny. when someone... <laughs> I think having gone there, you, you see these... I mean, your heart... Like, you know, I, I asked my God what I could send her from the States, and she just said some perfume because she's not allowed to have any in the whole country. So it's stuff like that that makes me... Like, I don't care about anybody, okay? I'm from the Ayn Rand school. But going to this country... <laughs> Which I be- kills me every I, time I become a, I go to this country, I become a bleeding heart because this woman works seven days a week, 16 hours a day, and she will never be able to have anything in her life. Not even a bottle of perfume. Right, period. And say and they have something called kachebi, which are the little sparrows, because the kids' parents died in the famine. They don't grow. They have big heads, and they bounce around the countryside looking for food in the ground, and they call them the little sparrows. So this oh. is what kind of how mental we're talking, so... Uh, and what happens when someone when someone escapes? What happens to their family? We talked about this before you even left. Right. So North Korea is, and all of Korea is based on this idea of having pure bloodline. So if anything, if you do anything bad, your whole three generations of your family is taken to the camps to purify your blood. Uh, so if you escape, and the only people who are allowed to leave the country are those who have family members back home. So if you do anything bad, they're going to get taken care of back home. They're hostages. We don't need more of that in America, I don't think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Okay. I'm usually the one making Anne Frank jokes, okay. and, and this is the one issue that I'm Yeah, I didn't see that state. coming, Michael. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Here I, no, I'm trying to take a cheap shot of the, the, these hungover hipsters. I yeah. know, Mike, not funny. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's bad. I think we have... Um, and what, just one more thing, and yeah. that really drives me crazy about this whole Dennis Rodman stuff, like, oh, look how uh, wacky these people are. Basketball such, diplomacy. Yeah, that's such a distraction from what's really going on. The media are falling for it hook, line, and sinker, sinker and North Korea is playing them like a fiddle. So I guess he's not going to be writing the foreword for your book. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Rodman's not writing anything. Well, well he's, now he's, in, he's in Vatican City now, I believe. I, I think he drove the, the Pope Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I think he literally drove the Pope Mobile. I'm not kidding at all. I saw him in that flowered blazer. Um, <laughs> He he's you know I mean he's obviously mentally ill, but yeah that whole trip to Vice what is that he's obviously mentally ill. <laughs> he, oh my god it's another New York Times bestselling author at the door it's Val Frankel come on in Val Frankel it's hard not to hate you Val but I'll try. <laughs> 
you know the funny thing when me and Michael were talking um, before before the show and we we're talking about um, you know you know the kid Kim uh, Jong Un and his you know this crazy uh, what is he talking about like mowing people down with nuclear weapons and stuff yeah. you know and me thinking in my naivete oh boy this kid's you know out of his mind and Michael's like no very smart and, and playing us like a fiddle like 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 you said really just taking advantage of. Our naivete and, our- and we saw this happen with the Tea Party Caucus, right? Do you remember when the, when the the they wanted to increase the debt limit, and they all played, "We're crazy, we're crazy, we're going to allow America to default." And the Democrats blinked, and we had the sequester, right? So it's the same kind of thing. Like if these people are crazy, who knows what they'll do? We better give them what they want. Right. So this is not uh, original to North Korea, and it's an effective negotiating tactic that's worked for them for decades. Well, you know, we love fear of this country. I mean, we kind of been fueled by it for you know for a very very long time, and the, the Cold War hangovers. I mean, it's still there. Look at this stuff. It's yeah. nuts. Hey, I want to talk to you um, about the Kickstarter plan and how uh, this book is actually happening because um, you're one of the pioneers. You're one of the good ones. You're getting out there and yeah, uh, yeah. knocking and down the to, walls. You're up to almost $12,000 out of your $30,000 And it, I've got some big donors coming in, so it looks like Okay, so well, we'll give us the background. So this is uh, you put this up on Kickstarter. You pitched this book to... A, a few editors. Few they a- said it's too weird. Uh, it's an unauthorized autobiography, so that doesn't make sense to them. <laughs> Kim Jong-il is dead. Worked for Chuck Barris, by the way, the unauthorized autobiography. What's, is that, uh, who's that? <laughs> that? That was Chuck Barris. Book, the oh. authorized autobiography. Okay, well, I guess I'm not as much of a pioneer as I thought. But <laughs> he just lied. But he actually listeners. wrote his own. But he actually wrote his own on oh, okay. biography. Okay, he was alive. Okay, That's, but, okay. Um, no, I, I think this is good. As a guy sitting who had sat by, at the editor's desk for a long time, I would have signed this book. I think it's great. You've got a track record. I think it's smart. You've been to North Korea. Right. I mean, to me, there's not a lot of risk here. I've got a ton of press already. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it's it's so, but it's also exciting that we're at a time where you could kind of have ownership of your own book. You have your own publicity. You know, and and it's just kind of this kind of proof of concept for the market uh, so and if I can finish this book have it out in October if I was doing it through a major publisher it would be out next October you know right. 2014 and North Korea is in the news now that's exactly right yeah. Yeah, and, and I think one of the big points of this book is, you know, you're going to get the North Korean perspective, which when you say people are crazy, well, that's just our way of saying I don't understand how you think. You know, they're not random. They're not crazy in the sense of random. They're crazy in the sense of not in touch with reality, but that's very different. Uh, and the point I always make is, look, if, you, if you're a car salesman and someone comes in and says, if I buy a red car, I'm going to get cancer, are you going to argue with them that you're crazy or are you going to show them a blue car? So if we want to negotiate with North Korea and get them to do what we want, we don't have to argue with them. We just have to accept their premise as what their premise is and, and uh, you know, work from there. I see now this. Oh. Whole Kickstarter campaign is just you angling to become the ambassador, the the, the new ambassador of North Korea. When we once we res- restore diplomatic relationships, <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a great job for Michael. I've been, I've been very <laughs> diplomatic. I've been described as diplomatic on more than one occasion. You've oh, never really? seen it. I, it worked on you, baby. I get the charm on. I'm, I'm right here, ain't I? <laughs> I don't. I just. Okay. Anyway, America's and as as an ambassador to North Korea, you would probably get access to their karaoke machine. <laughs> that, that's well, anyone can get. So, was there Western music playing there? I mean, was oh, there that's any, illegal. Was there no, any no, no, sign no. of Western culture at all in North Korea? Oh, well, they have cell phones now. They all have cell phones. Uh, they knew about Gangnam Style, but I guess that's Eastern culture. Uh, the guides have some access to Western culture because they're encouraged to be able to ingratiate themselves to us. And so, I said, taught them a lot of slang. too I was going to say, tell us some of the slang you introduced to North Korea. It turned out that all my slang is bitchy. Uh, so, the slang, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> go, go figure. The slang I taught them was hipster, which uh, which they got immediately. Get on my level. Get it together. Don't talk to me like you know me. Hot mess. Uh, you're a mess. You're a hot mess. Hot tranny mess was a bridge too far. Um, uh, this is why we can't have nice things. Uh, which I didn't realize the irony. Wow. Of yeah, that. really. Yeah, really. That's not funny, Michael. Yeah. And, this frank- is what, this and is, frankly, this is- I'm offended. <laughs> 
Tell you what, why don't we take a break for for a second? Uh, once again, we're joined by Val Frankel, uh, Michael Malice, um, and now we have uh, Joe Galarago, our usual uh, engineer, who's out on the road with his band, The Big Up. So let's hear from them while uh, Jack is the cruising stars, just twirling the knobs. And Mike and Judy Show on Heritage Radio. You're listening to Fresh Meat by Big Ups on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Well, it's a punk rock St. Patrick's Day here on the Mike and Judy Show. Oh, yeah. We should have had some shillelagh music uh, on. <laughs> God, gross. A little tin whistle that for That was you. our friends, the Big Ups. Well, coming up well, coming up on our Easter show. Um, Mike and Judy Music Spectacular. Yeah. Which um, Val's daughter is going to be part of. <laughs> Val's, Val's daughter, the YouTube sensation. She is a viral, a sub-viral sensation. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 400,000 400, listeners. That's right. And many thousands of subscribers. Um, she's a sensation in the land of smiles, Thailand. <laughs> a neighbor of North Korea. <laughs> a nicer neighbor. <laughs> you know, until this month, I thought Thailand was an island archipelago. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to say it. I is that scary? I think you're thinking of Micronesia. I was thinking Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> You can still be the ambassador to North Korea. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, just blow, we'll blow Thailand off the map. It's fine. Yeah, I could be more trolling CPAC this week for, for, for notes. Oh, God, CPAC. Oh, my God. Do not get me started. You probably could have got some Kickstarter donors over there. They I want more. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not friends with these people. They, they, they the, would have given lots of money to see your book done right. I no, think. they would give lots of money to kill people for no reason. They're horrible people. Well, yeah. So how is, how is the Kickstarter uh, campaign coming up? The Kickstarter is um, doing great. I got a ton of press, Forbes, Wired, North Korean News. Which just goes to say again, again this North is a great Korean fucking donors? idea. North Korea liked the book cover on Instagram, which freaked me the hell out. <laughs> I, they're watching you. I don't, North I, they, well, they're aware of this book. There's no question they are, because it was on NorthKoreanNews.org, so, uh, and which they read religiously. Ha, ha, ha. But it, it, it's, so it's, I know that I'm on their radar screen. Hopefully not literally. Yeah, I mean... what? 
What, but what possible repercussions? I mean, you're not going to go back there again. I can't go. No, no, I can't go back there. I'm probably going to end up getting a gun in the near future. Yeah, that horse has left the barn. These people have tried to. These people have blown up planes. They they've tried to kill the South Korean prime minister more than one occasion. You know, they they're they're not a joke um, whatsoever. They've got agents all over. They've kidnapped many people from Japan uh, and, and just brought them to North Korea. And Kim Jong-il even greeted them on the beach like, welcome here. <laughs> and he publicly apologized to the Japanese prime minister about this and admitted it. So this isn't even some kind of weird propaganda against them. Do you fear for your life? Uh, it's What's the harm to kind of you know, defend myself? You know what I mean? Like if, I mean, this is like heresy for them. You know, If you have a newspaper with Kim Jong-un's picture on, on the floor, you can go to the concentration camp. That's how seriously they take it over there. Jeez. So I don't know what's – I mean – I don't know what would happen. It's like the equivalent of piss Christ, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even Giuliani wasn't that much of a... Giuliani had armed guards with him all the time. Yeah. That's for damn sure. But I don't think he would... He never, you know, shot Andre Serrano. Well, can we, compro- <laughs> can we compromise <laughs> having a, me having a comb-over? Is, is that, is that, is that I'm all for it. I think you should have an entire posse, I, you know? Yeah. I think you should have... You, you have know. a thick thatch of hair. You have no need for... That's interesting. You're saying if my <laughs> hair's <laughs> thatcher-like? <laughs> <laughs> Big up Maggie T. Michael hates the Irish. I do not hate the Irish. <laughs> Boy, I have you, disdain for the Irish. That, that, that'll get you on someone's list pretty quick too. Yes, yeah, some drunks list. Did you guys ask Michael why North Korea? Why this? Uh, in all seriousness, it's because I'm Jewish and I was born in the Soviet Union, just like Kim Jong Il. So I've got this kind of. Those are two reasons I could have been He's Jewish. It. I am. I got my nose. No, no, back. he's Jewish. Kim Jong Il. No, Jewish. he was born in the Soviet Union. I know that, but you said he just, just like some Jewish. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> and frankly, um, no. So, <laughs> oh my god. So I, I, you know, those are two reasons I could have been in these camps. So I mean, you could see them on Google Earth. No one really wants to talk about it. It's too intense. It's too real. So I, I'm like, look, if if I can run my mouth and kind of move the needle a little bit over there, and good things will happen. That's a great thing. I think. Do you think that they will? Uh, you, I mean, these regimes are so unstable. It's like, you know, like the Arab Spring, Libya, Romania. Mm-hmm. It could be a domino's effect. And Even if, if I it's have, just awareness here. Yeah, I mean, and, a lot of people don't know about what's happening in North Korea. And if I'm the one who kind of even a little bit makes change, I'll be the greatest person you've ever met. So <laughs> eat it. The greatest person in the universe. No, that's Kim Jong-il. Well, Kim Il-sung, technically. What do you think of the whole Dennis Rodman thing? I thought it was reprehensible. Yeah. For him to be carrying water for this guy to tell the president, oh, he's waiting for your call, F you. And for him to go on, I, on Sunday I, morning and be like, we've got a lot of prisons here. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, we don't have children beaten to death because they're stealing grains of corn. That's the difference. Anyway, I'm, really, I'm really shocked at just the, the lack of outrage yep. of this. I mean, you know, people are still going to be talking about Jane Fonda, conservatives for the next 30 years. Right. And, you know, here's Dennis Rodman. I guess maybe because we don't take him seriously. He's not right. seen as, he has no intellectual heft at all. He has no gravitas. He's just Right. Of a clown. He's a clown, and then so is Kim Jong Un. They're seeing. Well, he, well, did so pull, he, did, so he did pull down a lot of rebounds with the, with the Bulls. Well, so, well, I mean, the point I always make is he's a clown, but so is the Joker, and no one's talking about the bodies behind him. You know, so that's really how to look at it. God, I'm getting so intense on Sunday morning. I know. <laughs> it looks like Meet the Press or something. Here. Meet the depressed. So, Val, what are you working on now? <laughs> I'm working on things I can't totally talk about. Ooh, just like but, see, more top know. secret stuff. You guys are like the Manchurian authors, you know? <laughs> That's Chinese. I, I'm just just waiting for the bell to go off and you to assassinate. Kim Il Sung started Manchuria. Assassinate Jack the Engineer. Did you guys read by any chance? There was an article on Salon yesterday about a guy who was an Amazon self-published yes. bestseller. Yes. And then he said he only made $12,000 and he was crying about it. But those $12,000 he made in a single month. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. He only sold four thousand books too. Yeah. in a month. So he was well. He was like, a bestseller. What you're saying? The book spiked, and then yeah. But it was I mean, over. I, yeah, it seemed to me that it was four thousand copies in a single month. 
I, 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 I read that, that differently. Was total. Yeah, I thought that was total. Oh, all right. But still, like, you only sell 4000 bucks. You only get a certain amount well, of money. Well, you know, people right. don't understand lay people, you know, non-writers, you know, not like you know, us people who are writing to keep the lights on. You know, everybody in this room is a professional writer and writes for money. It's how we pay the bills, right? Yeah. And people don't understand book economics. Right. If I told you you were getting, you know... You're looking for $30,000 to get your book done, right? Right. Kickstarter. If I was the publisher, I said, great, here's a $30,000 advance. Someone might say, wow, $30,000 to write a book. It seems like an awful lot of money. What they're not hearing is that, first, I'm only going to give you half of it up front. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now people want to pay in thirds. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Or fourth, I've got fourths for the last book. Fourths, wow. right? Fourths. Okay. Yeah. Paperback, so even, hardcover. But even if we're paying in, in halves, halvesies, okay, your agent, I assume you have an agent who's going to take 15% of it. Mm-hmm. Uncle Sam's going to want a part of that. And all of a sudden, your $15,000 that you're getting up front is looking a lot like $10,000 for a project that takes a year to do. Right. So $10,000 for a year's worth of work isn't really paying the bills. But you should be grateful that you're allowed to write for a little and, exactly. and you're not going to see the second half of the check for another year. That's exactly There's right. your $30,000 advance. Right. And I think we're at a place where thanks, things like Kickstarter there, we're changing that, where yeah. you can have the self-ownership and get out faster. And this pr- the audience is kind of paying for the book effectively as a pre-order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it works in, in that sense. And then, frankly, this is a proof of concept for the publisher. So maybe I'll get a bigger advance next time, although I don't think I'd go that route. Now, what if I came in and said to you, hey, you hey Michael, never do I want another wanna... traditional publisher? I mean, I'd, I, I mean, I would. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying never, but I'm saying if I can, if I could do this again for like my Anne Frank sequel, why not? I'm a smart editor. I'm sitting here. I'm looking your at your Kickstarter Anne thing. Frank I'm seeing your thing? clips. Anne Frank too. The final solution wasn't. <laughs> oh my god! It's happening. See, I told you I'm not sensitive. Forget that ambassadorship. Not happening. <laughs> so if I were, if I were some smart, journey? if I were some savvy editor, and I'm seeing your Kickstarter thing, and I'm reading about you in Forbes and here and there, because to me that just says this is a great idea. But, but the s- amount of publicity, and I, and I call you up and say, you know what? I like this. I want to give you the $30,000 advance to do your book. Right. And you tell me? I'm saying no. I've had the 30000 in pocket. What are you giving me? And there I mean, okay. are no savvy. The savvy editors are shackled by, you know, they got the whole, they have to go forward of a board, mm-hmm. then they have to deal with the publicist, and why am I losing a year of my life when I could have this now for the same amount of money? It makes it's no true. sense. The days of one editor saying, this is my passion project, are over. There are no more passion projects. There are only... Decisions made by committee based on what marketing says. That's right. A- A- Ayn Rand, your hero and mine, uh, her, the Fountainhead was rejected by okay, her. You're, ed- you're, back, you're back to being in line for the ambassadorship. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> Those people know, love that shit. Her editor, her editor, you know, wanted the book. Her the boss said no, and the editor said, "If this isn't the book for you, for me, for you, this I'm not the editor for you." And it got signed on that on that all those grounds. That would never happen now. Mm-hmm. Well, when I when I um, signed my first contract with F- FSG, they told me we don't sign uh, books, Mike. We sign writers. That's really what I wanted to hear. I loved That's my. That's a great line. I loved my editor. They were very serious. <laughs> they, they were, were all drinking shit. the literary Kool Aid over there. Well. They you might know, have meant it, but... Well, they, they, they meant it, but, you know, then 2008 happened, yeah. and things got weird, and it's, all of a sudden it stopped being Farrah Strauss-Giroux, and it started being Macmillan really mm-hmm. fucking fast, mm-hmm. you know? And how many authors do we know, and rock and roll bands, whose first couple records didn't make it, but the record company or, or the book publisher stuck with them and broke them big time on the third? Look at Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. We're talking, I was just going to point Bruce out. Springsteen, whose first two time. records really didn't make a lot of noise, and what company now would stick with a guy like that Right. Making relatively expensive, you know, records and stick with them through Born to Run, and then another four years until Darkness came out because of all the legal problems. Right. That's a lot of loyalty from an entertainment company to an entertainer that you just don't see or just right. doesn't exist. Now. And it's not always their fault; it's just the economics of it too, you know, in their defense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to, even more than writing a good proposal, is like the marketing part of the yeah. proposal is the most important part right, right. now. And, and, there, and any any industry, you're like, why am I sticking my neck out? Like, you know, you're not going to take a risky, buy risky stock or risky house, so why am I going to take a risk on a weird book, is their mm-hmm. thinking. Well, I think, you know, you don't take risks, you don't get the big payoff either. If you right. play everything safe, sure, you might get your 5% return, everything might break even, everybody, you know, salaries are paid, the lights stay on, but if you don't take a risk, you're never going to have the big breakout. Sure, but my as an editor, my, there's no there's no incentive for me to take that big risk because if, if I don't get the big breakout, it's fine. You know what I mean? I can just plot along and just have my average returns and then I'm earning my keep. Right. Uh, the big risk to be taken has to be taken by the author and yeah. like a Kickstarter campaign like Michael is doing. And I think that's the future of risk taking. Right. So yeah, I mean, my, my, my whole opinion on Kickstarter projects has changed completely in the last year because I thought, I used to think like, oh, come on, you can't get a traditional publisher. Now that I see like how... Tr- useless traditional publishers are and how much the author has to do right. of the publicity and marketing anyway why not just lay it out and hire a copy editor? And, and one really good point which i only realized after launching this this is a public proof that you can take a project from soup to nuts and deliver and that's a very very big deal to establish in any kind of business environment mm-hmm. yes you have to prove that you can walk and talk at the same time yeah well, I think problem with you know the Kickstarter models, we've seen a lot of panhandling done on Kickstarter by people who can't deliver like you can't right. people who are less than professional and right. they want to get their records done and you know or they, they people who feel entitled that people should give them money right. uh, for things and you know that does kind of poison the pond a little bit. That's absolutely true. Of course, you being a future ambassador, um, I, I want to back this pony. <laughs> well, thank you. It's because I want, I want to become the hot dog king of North Korea. I want to go okay, and open like a Jewish you, deli you, in North Korea. Oh, they're anti-Semites there. You know? <laughs> when they found but, out... But they're they're, they're, they're going to love my crap lock. What, what happened when they found out you were Jewish? When I said I was Jewish, my, my guide kind of like tensed up and did a double take. I think she was expecting me to be rubbing my hands and having a big bag with the dollar sign on it. And, and your horns. horns. And, my, well, right. and the nose. Like, what? Yeah, and they're very racist too. So I, any racist joke you have, just replace it with Japanese, and they'll think you're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Once again, the fastest half hour on the internet, Miss McGuire. Our St. Patrick's uh, Day episode. Before we go, though, for anybody who still wants to throw some money at you, Michael, and be go, part of this revolution, go to kimjongilbook dot com. <laughs> Thank you. And Val, and- next time you're going to tell us what you're working on, right? Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll I'm see. I'm managing you- my teenage daughter. Yeah, you better you better get her. She has ads now. She does, and she's selling her music on Bandcamp. Man, nice. you know, if I only put ads on that bon guitar video, I'd have I don't know hundreds by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week is our big Passover Palm Sunday extravaganza. Oh, I cannot wait! We've got uh, Rachel Shukart and my favorite Jew, uh, Aaron Lefkoe, who's uh, the trafe master of the Gowanus Canal. All right, for Mike and Judy and Michael and Val, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.